Welcome to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast, brought to you by Asphalus Advisors and the Disaster Recovery Journal. Crisis management in today's world is ever-changing, and this podcast is our commitment to help you navigate successful outcomes for any crisis you may face. I'm your host, Vanessa Matthews. I specialize in providing insights and solutions for crisis, continuity, and resilience across industries from real estate and healthcare to terrorism in the airline and transportation worlds. No matter what industry you're in, this podcast will provide you the tools to build resilience in your organization. Welcome back to another episode of the Business Resilience Decoded podcast. I am your host, Vanessa Matthews, and today we're going to be talking about how to build top talent and a high-performing team. So this episode is really important because in today's market, many organizations, no matter the industry, the geography, or even the function within the business, everybody is really struggling with how to build top talent and how to keep those high-performing teams. So what we're noticing is many organizations don't have the right resources. They may not have the right capacity. Some of them are also typically a team of one to three that are managing a global operation, but they have very minimal resources in terms of people and talent that can actually help them to grow that function or to grow that line of business. And so one of the things that we thought about in preparation for today's podcast is a recent example of a customer that we worked with. We have a client that is a regulated retail company. Um, they're about a thousand employees or more, about a quarter billion dollars in revenue, been in business for over 70 years. And we had the opportunity to partner with this organization to provide a human resources audit. And the customer initially came to us because they were having concerns with attracting and retaining top talent, right? Um, they also had concerns, of course, with the supply chain and the compounding impacts that that had on their workforce during the, the times of COVID. And then in addition to all of that, um, the concerns about how do you keep talent, especially in a retail environment, when they're working customer facing with the general public. And we all can probably tell that the general public is not always the nicest group of people to work with, right? And so we performed a human resources audit that was a functional audit um, to encompass every department across the organization. And we had the opportunity to partner with about 20% of their workforce to get a really good understanding of what those employees were experiencing and what the environment was internally. And there's a few things that we uncovered um, that really helped to shed some light on their strategy and how they were able to then take that audit and then look forward internally to how to build a high performing team. And so the three things that we really helped them to think about and to uncover is number one, they lacked a clear vision, a clear strategy for where they were going as a company. So consistently, the employees talked about um, that they don't have one word of how they would describe the culture, that everybody's experience internally was consistently inconsistent. And no one could really tell you outside of the mission, where are we going and how do I fit into that vision, right? So if the people don't have a vision, they, they will perish, right? The second thing that we uncovered is from a human resources perspective, that the function of HR was really understaffed. The head of HR was focused on things that a, a typical size organization of that caliber, um, the head of HR typically would not be doing some of the, the things that they were tasked to do, uh, but also that they had single points of failure across the Department of Human Resources. And for those of us who are in resiliency and crisis management and security, I'm pretty sure most of us can attest to those same challenges, right? 
which also means that if I lack resources, then other components of the business that might need that support did not have a key resource that was able to focus their, their time and attention. And the third thing that we uncovered was a concern around training. So there was a huge concern that many employees, after they went through their initial onboarding, many of them did not have consistent training outside of compliance or regulated training. And so the concern that that creates is how do you enable people to continue to grow in their skills and their development? How do you make sure that the workforce that you have, that we're meeting their needs as well, and if there's gaps in competencies or if there's gaps in leadership or in communication, how do we do that? Another thing that came up with the employees is that typically the organization may invest in a one and done training. Well, we all know from a resiliency perspective, if I put you through a fire drill one time, it's probably not going to be effective. And so we really had to work with this particular customer to help them think about the employee's experiences and how do we help to make those changes to help them move forward. So the outcomes and the recommendations we were able to help that customer with were a few things. Number one is we have to have a clear strategy, a clear vision for where we're going and a clear set of core values that really are the mechanism and and the guide for how we make all decisions within the business. The second thing that we really helped them to uncover are how do we help you to mitigate risk with your workforce, right? So every employee at different tiers, we all need something from our employer. And typically it's the small things that matter the most. And so if you're in a retail environment, some recommendations that we had for those employees were, how do we enable them to get a stipend, right? Whether it's gas, whether it is healthcare or, or, or daycare expenses for their children, what are the things that we can do as an employer to make their lives just a little bit easier so they don't have to leave here to go pick up two or three jobs, but they can make a decision to want to stay here because you are, you are also helping to contribute to my overall health and wellness, not only for the employee, but for their families, right? And the third thing that we really helped them to, to talk through that came up through the audit was the importance of effective communication amongst senior leadership. And so many times, and, and especially over time with longer established organizations where you have people who may have been there for over 20, 30, 40 years, you know, the, the way we do things might be um, something that is normal to the organization, right? But it doesn't mean that, that it's effective and that it's supporting the overall goals of the business. And so one of the big things that really came up was the, was the need to be able to address communication, to, to be able to, to manage conflict internally at a leadership level. What we found was the relationship at the leadership level was a direct tie back to how the employees also manage relationships internally. And so those were things that the organization really took heed on and wanted to continue to move forward. And so one of the wins that came out of that audit is our customer built a two-year strategic plan based on our recommendations and this partnership. And now they're constantly now moving into what steps that they have to take internally to attract top talent, but also to retain and to build a high-performing team. So today I wanna talk to you about the three steps that you can take, just like our customers did, on how you can do those two things. So step one in attracting talent and building a high performing team, everything starts with your vision. So I've coined the phrase, the big hairy audacious goal from Jim Collins because it really helped us to have a target, a focus, um, something that was really and truly big, hairy and audacious and almost seems impossible for our company to be able to accomplish. And so 
that's the North Star. That's where we're going. And every year leading up to that 10 year BHAG or that 20 year BHAG, we're trying to work backwards to think through, well, how do we actually get there? And so once you have that 10 year goal set, it's then looking backwards as an organization and saying, OK, what do I want to get accomplished in, in the next three years? And, and what does that picture look like? How do I quantify those goals? How many people do I have? What geographies are we in? How do people talk about us? How do they find out about us? Paint the picture, not a plan, but a picture of what that three year model looks like. And then from there, you take it a step backwards. And now we think about what's the one year plan, right? So from quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, quarter four, what are my goals? What are my quantifiable goals? What are my um, qualitative goals? How do we get there? Who are the people that are going to help us to be able to achieve that? What is it going to take? What do we have to do differently? What might have to change? Who might have to move in order for us to accomplish that one year goal? And no matter if you're setting a 10 year, a three year or a one year plan for your business as a whole, for your human resources department or for your resiliency, crisis management and security teams, either way, your department your division has to have a strategic goal for where you are going. And especially for those of us who support risk and security and emergency management, we want to ensure that our goals support the overall corporate goals and where the organization is going as a whole, right? So that's step one. Within that strategic plan, one of the things that's super important is that we have a call out and we have clarity on the values of the business. Because how we actually get and achieve our plans and our strategic goals is the how. And the how are, what are the values that we hold near and dear to our hearts? What are the values that are the filtering mechanism? What are the values that we're going to stand firm on that are the non-negotiables of our business, of our department, of our culture? And so that's the second part that our clients have really honed in on, are what are the true values that that guide this organization and this business. And what our customers have found is the more that they lean into those values, the easier it becomes for them to attract the right talent and to truly build a high performing team because you then have to have something to hold people accountable to. The third part of that, once you have the strategy, once you have the values, the third part that our clients have been able to really hone in on is then what's the culture? When you wake up in the morning, what is the culture that you want your employees to, to talk about and describe when they think about your business? And then what about your customers? So let's say you're in the resilience or crisis management department, right? Many of your customers are likely internal. How do your customers internally describe the culture of your department? And then how do your employees, whether you're a department of one, two, five, or 10, how do your employees describe the culture of resiliency and emergency management in the business. And so that is the first step in building and attracting a uh, high performing team as well as gaining top talent. The second step in the process is build your employee persona. So now that I've switched to the other side of the table and I'm now leading a business who is uh, supporting resiliency and crisis management programs and I'm not working in corporate every day, one of the things that I had to learn was what's my customer persona? Where do they live? Where do they work? What do they like? How do I meet them? What values do they care about? And how do I build a partnership and a relationship with them to add value and for them ultimately to make a decision to hire us as a partner on this journey? And what I've had to learn, in some cases the hard way, <laughs> is the importance of having an employee persona. 
And this came for us after we spent years of going through talent, of not having the right fit, of having a, a culture that I just was not proud of. And we really had to sit down one day and say, okay, out of all the people that have been through this organization, what are all the characteristics of the ones that we love? They're on time, they show up, they bring ideas to the table. Um, you don't have to ask them to do anything, they just do it and they figure it out, right? Et cetera, et cetera. And then we had to make a list of what are all of the characteristics of the people who've been through the organization that we don't love, that we're not a great fit, um, that ended up costing us more time, more money, and sometimes even clients. And so we built a profile of what those candidates looked like. And what our team did is we built a list on the right-hand side. Here's all of the characteristics of what we're looking for when we're having an interview and when we're going through the hiring process. And on the left-hand side, here's all the things that if these things come up, these are yellow flags, and we already know we do not want to learn that lesson more than once. And so we've been able to transfer that process to our customers so that they also now have an employee persona. So whether you're coming in as a retail customer to work the, the stores, whether you're coming in at, at a corporate level, coupled with the core values and where the business is going, with that persona, it is a very clear mechanism for organizations to be able to determine when I meet a candidate in the interview process, am I really attracting the right person? And am I paying attention to what I call yellow flags or orange flags that can ultimately lead to red flags? Because typically, if something comes up in the interview process that bothers me, it's going to make it worse when I actually hire you. That's my yellow flag that tells me, don't make that decision. This person is probably not gonna be a good fit for your business, right? So that's step, step two. So step three is all about building your team. So once you have a clear strategy, you know your vision, you know where you're going in the next 10 years, you have your three-year picture, you have your one-year plan, you have a very clear set of core values, um, you have a very clear defined culture and what you want people to um, know about you and your department or your business. Once you then go through your employee personas, um, what the good looks like, what the not so great looks like, then you get into how do you build your team? And so one of the things that we really paid attention to is how do we build a team for where our business is going in the next two to five years, right? So we have an org chart for what today looks like. And then we have an org chart that says back to that three-year picture, right? If this is our three-year picture, what does the org structure have to look like in two years to match this three-year picture? And so what we started to do is craft seats that don't exist, craft roles that we don't have yet. And we started to list out what is the responsibility of this particular role? What are the requirements that we would want a candidate to meet in order to qualify for this role? And then one of the game changers that we've done and that we've also helped our clients to consider is how do you then add, what is the key performance indicator, whether it's leading or lagging, that you can hold that employee accountable for? And then that way, before they ever walk in the door, you're clear about the responsibility, the requirements, and the KPIs. And on day one of the interview process, you can tell them, here is what you are going to be held accountable for. One of the things that we've seen is some organizations and some industries do not drive KPIs and performance measures as well as others. And so in our company, we've seen that depending on the industry, some candidates may not be a good fit just simply because they're not used to or accustomed to being held accountable for what performance looks like and how we will hold you to that. 
And so those are the top three things that we're seeing our customers do to attract top talent and to build a high performing team. Thank you for listening to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast brought to you by Asphalus Advisors and Disaster Recovery Journal. Make sure you check out the show notes for this episode to see all the upcoming events, programs, and ways we can support you. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review, and share it with a friend. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.